a long time ago, in a podcast far, far away. All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on the road again, tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have a better time at your next game, because the only way to win a role-playing game (laughs) is is to have have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie, the favorite. That's me. Wait a minute. Well, maybe I'm the favorite too. Yeah, I, I think I could be a, a, the legendary favorite. The legendary favorite. Yeah. You're like, a, what's your what's your uh, Pokemon evolved oh. form? Oh God, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't need to evolve into anything bigger than I already am. Oh. Thank you. Oh, I'm gonna move on. Yeah, good idea. Jason is not joining us this week. Ever. Uh, yeah, no, Jason is still. <laughs> he's still working. Yeah. So, but that's all right. We continue on. Onward, ho. What did you call me? Let's talk about our patrons. So we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. And if you would like to help us keep this show on the air, it pays for our hosting fees and the interwebs and yes. stuff like that. Yes. Uh, anyway, and uh, you get free stuff out of it. You can get copies of books and arts and postcards and free shout outs on the show. Yes. Like these. Yes. So let's talk about our patrons. All right. So today we're going to do something really exciting. Oh, yes. Because we're recording on May 4th, which is Star Wars Day. Star Wars Day. So we're going to do something, a little something that we used to do on one of our old podcasts, which is called Dreamcasting. People love the dream casting. It's very popular. Yes. Very I think, popular. I think you're out of button pushes, though. You mm-hmm. just use them all. All right. All right. All right. So we're going to dream cast our patrons. So all of our patrons today on May the 4th, although this podcast will not be out for another day or two, but our patrons are all going to be mm-hmm. Star Wars people. Yes. So there. So there. All right. What's up first? All right. Well, the first person we're going to talk about is Cameron. Oh, Cameron. This is an easy one. Yeah. It's super easy, right? Cameron Pruitt. You are Director Krennic. That's from Rogue One, right? That's that's right. You have that prim and proper, perfect little white suit. Yes. And uh, you think that you're awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the end, you get blown up. And you get blown up. You get bloated up. (laughs) <laughs> all right and then we're gonna move on to ryan galliato oh ryan galliato who do you think ryan is well i think ryan has secretly been in charge this whole time this is all his plan all of his plans this even this podcast mm-hmm. is is part of his evil manipulations yes so, and his machinations so i believe that ryan is the supreme chancellor Pal- palpatine but that's because he's not revealed his true he's self not. yet nope but his friends call him Sheev. Stop it. <laughs> Who else we had? <laughs> Ryan Martin. Oh, Ryan Martin. Aw, cute, cuddly, adorable little Ryan oh, Martin. He's going to kill you. I know what you're doing. He he's... always cooks stuff like Han and Leia. 
He's totally wicked. <laughs> oh, no. Absolutely, without question. I just, <gasps> I just want to hug him. <laughs> okay. Yum nub, Ryan. <laughs> Yo, whoa! It's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> okay, then Drew Stevens. Wow, Drew Stevens. <sighs> he's he's a little harder. Oh, is he though? You know who Drew Stevens is? Who? He's K two S O. That is the imperial, uh, the imperial droid from um, from Rogue One. That uh, oh. that the guy from that Alan Tudyk plays. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know he's like a a little uh, little snarky, a little snarky, a little mechanical, but would still whoop your ass if you crossed him wrong. But but cares as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I could totally see Drew. You that. are being rescued. There, whether you like it or not. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, we've got Salim. Oh, Salim yeah. Halabi. Yes. So this one, every time, every time we try to make Jason say Salim's last name, he always looks at us and goes, "It's a trap." Yeah. So, so is- clearly, uh, Salim is Admiral Akbar. There we go. That works. <laughs> Leading the rebel forces, oh. <laughs> trapping Jason. <laughs> All right. Um, Josh Heath. Josh Heath. Josh Heath has his fingers in so many things, but is a force of good and light. Okay, yeah. Clearly Mon Mothma. Fair, fair. He'll like that too. You think? He better. Okay. Because if he doesn't, I'll take it. You're quitting his podcast. That's right, I will. (laughs) So, uh, we've we've got a couple more. Uh, Joel Eastland. Oh, who is Joel? So, Joel has been super sick lately. Right. So, I think Joel is a Darth Vader. Okay, Darth Vader is Joel. Oh. Post the mask coming off. Oh, so you actually mean when it's when, sub- he, when he becomes Anakin again, and he's like, Ugh. so like the when he oh, can I be a nerd for a second? Oh please! It's when it's played by the great English actor Sebastian Shaw for like two minutes of screen time yeah, at the he, end of he Return only of Jedi. Gets that two minutes, yeah. But that that's Joel, and he's like surprise, and then like Joel Joel also shares the same luck because years later in the special editions, he's replaced by <laughs> by. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when he appears as a blue ghost, his image will just simply be replaced by uh, some kid. <laughs> That's Joel. There we go. Um, what about Noah? I'm glad you asked. This week, Noah is visiting a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> He's at the Moss Eisley Cantina, a dimly lit tavern known for its strong drinks hot tunes, and occasional outbreaks of shocking violence. Most star pilots visiting Tatooine spend their downtime in the cantina, making it an ideal spot to hire a starship crew. Just be careful to shoot first, because if you don't, you just might be disarmed. Oh. Noah. I hope you have a good time, Noah. Who else we got? Anybody else? Yes, we've got our our last one, uh, the patron saint of this podcast. Oh, Sarah! Ra, 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 ra. I had I had a hard time figuring out because I know that Sarah really loves Chewbacca, right? But I always identify Sarah way more with Han Solo. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, um, she, she so, shot she or, shot at Noah first. Yeah, or she's just the Millennium Falcon. The whole, not, the whole thing? Yeah, like, she's just the Millennium Falcon. Okay. Why? Like, well, because then you get the, the best out of all of them. 
You get you get the best out of the good parts of the next the last three movies. You get the best of Han and Chewie. You get Lando. Right. You know, right, you, right. you get Lando's droid that he wanted the boink. Oh, would that be Sarah's wife? Oh, okay. There we go. Maybe. Sing can be can be leet. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, so that's our our dreamcasting Sweet. of well, our if, patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, we'd love to have you as one <laughs> and give you a shout out. You can go to patreon.com slash unroll podcast and uh, that's where you can find the information. Yay! Cool. Well, when last le- we left our intrepid adventurers. We were sitting here at this table recording a podcast. Mm-hmm. Girl, what you been up to? So much art. Okay. All right. I'm painting a effing horse. You love horses. I hate horses. You love to paint horses. I hate horses. You've painted more horses than any other animal. I know. And I hate them. And people keep giving me money to paint them. And I have to take it. <laughs> and then I have to paint more horses. <sighs> painting horses. I do. I hate horses so much. They all have demon skulls they all look weird they, they do, do. Look, even when you draw a horse correctly they look even ph- photography of horses when you really look at their anatomy yeah it's not right yeah it's weird they just have random muscles oh it's terrible creepy yeah it's not good anything so, else um i'm also been where i started work on the last portrait for the gun belt for now oh oh boy working on stripes yes Awesome. He's a he's a howler, which means he's a coyote person. Yeah. So he's a pain in the butt too. Ah. 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 So there. So that's basically what I've been doing. What have you been up to? Cool. Well, you know, my work continues to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I am working from home, and uh, mostly I'm mostly working yeah. from home. I've got a couple of days a week I go in, but mostly I'm working from home. Uh, but um, you know, last last week we told we were talking a little bit about how we had. Uh, you know, worked out some things for the gum belt. So mm-hmm. uh, we're, you know, chugging away, working on the gum belt. We're getting excited about it. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, hopefully that'll be amazing. Well, I hope so too, because I need to get paid for all those portraits. Right, doing. there you go. <laughs> Everybody loves uh, alien and robot cowboys I riding so. dinosaurs. They better. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, then uh, let's go ahead and uh, move to combat runes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Welcome to Combat Rounds. We have a really, really cool show tonight. We are joined by... Uh, um, some pretty neat peoples, and uh, I can't wait to share it. So we talked a little bit last week about how we had actually gotten to to play a pretty cool game of kids on bikes. Yes, and we talked. We mentioned that they are coming out with. Uh, well, they have come out with Teens in Space. Yes, and, and they're coming out with Kids on Brews. That's right, which is kind of like uh, Harry Potter-inspired Kids on Bikes. Yes. And so we are super excited to get to talk to the three gentlemen who. Uh, who basically got together to make that happen. So tonight we are joined by Doug Lewandowski, John Gilmore, and Spencer Stark. Yay! And they are here because they are about to launch a super cool project called Kids on Brooms. So hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us on. All right. I Uh, think this is the most guests we've ever had. (laughs) 
Hey, There's we'll a, take it. A That's lot great. of people. <laughs> yeah, we'll set any records we can set. Yay! It should be well any, organized and streamed. <laughs> and any other records we can break while we're here? Anything else we can do? Uh, well, we'll when we come up to it, we'll let you know. Okay, Our, okay, okay let me know. Yeah, yeah. Hard luck. Our longest show's 18 hours, so here we go. No. <laughs> I don't even know what I'd talk about for that oh, long. Oh, God. We just sleep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so Doug and John, I'm going to kind of start with the two of you. Can you tell us, uh, you are the originators. You created Kids on Bikes together. How, how did Kids on Bikes happen? So I was watching uh, Stranger Things, and back then I was really only designing uh card games, tabletop, board games, stuff like that. And so three episodes into the first season posted on Facebook, like, all right, so who wants to make the Stranger Things board game and get that shot down by like, you know, <laughs> Netflix uh, IP stuff. And, you know, we've bantered back and forth on Facebook and John actually messaged me and said, hey, I'm actually working on uh, a board game for that. Um, and I said, oh, cool. Can I work with you? And he said, uh, no. Um, <laughs> because he had a co-designer so. right he already i was gonna get there yeah he already had a co-designer and um and said but i think it'd be really cool to do an rpg based on this mm. so we went from there as we started working on it we realized that we didn't want to limit it to just that one sort of franchise um and, and wanted to make it something where the world building was a really big part of it so that you're creating the kind of game you want to play. So if you want to do a game like E.T., you can do a game like E.T. If you want to do Stranger Things, you can do Stranger Things. If you want to do Goonies, you can do Goonies um, and just really open it up that way. And it kind of became yeah. a, a tabletop game for what do they call it? Free range kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> John, did anything ever come of the, the board game? So, uh, oddly enough, so the board game was called Kids on Bites, and that got signed with a company, and they didn't like the title, so we reused it for the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then the company never released the game, oh. and it's now become a Kids on Bites board game and wrapped back around. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so at some point, we're going to see a Kids on Bikes board game then, based on your RPG. Uh, hopefully, yeah. That's super cool. Now, John, this you have designed board games in the past. I mean, uh, you've done you were a co-designer for Dinosaur Island and Dead of Winter. Uh, how, what got you into to designing role-playing games? So, I, I think especially in Dead of Winter, my love of RPGs showed. And in high school, I, I dabbled in trying to design my own RPG. Um. And it was just such a, like, I was trying to design a, you know, D&D-esque massive, like, 400-page rulebook RPG. Um, <laughs> but I've always loved RPGs, so I wanted to design one and bring some of the things that I'd learned from designing board games back into RPGs. And that, that's kind of what inspired, I mean, that was a lot of our discussions during this. It's because I think with like Dead of Winter, I brought things I learned from RPG playing RPGs into trying to design that. Your your four hundred page role playing game from high school and and becomes Kids on Bikes, which is like a hundred pages. <laughs> I'm I, whatever lesson it was you learned. I'm thankful. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I ended up doing like 20 pages that and just gave up. <laughs> what about you, Doug? How did you, how did you get into to designing role-playing games? Yeah, so I started out, um, I had a couple tabletop games. I self-published one um, and uh, had a couple others. And yeah, I, I grew up playing role-playing games too. I, I played those more than, um, than tabletop games in junior high and high school probably. Um, and so it was really natural for me to just kind of slide back into it. And one thing I realized as I was working on a lot of my tabletop stuff was that almost every game I was designing had the sort of like world building, trying to immerse you in the world kind of stuff going on. And so then it was pretty natural to just slide over to RPGs and like John said, try to bring some of that mechanical streamlining into the role-playing world um, from tabletop. How did the two of you come to, to build kids on bikes? So you guys had this idea, let's make a stranger things kind of game, but not limit it. Uh, and, and you both wanted it to be very collaborative in nature. Um, you know, what, how did, how did the actual mechanics of kids on bikes come together? You know, with where every, you know, each of the, the attributes uses a different sized die, uh, and, but it's otherwise a very, very simplistic system. So that part came from specifically one of the early conversations where Doug and I had when, when we were kind of going to focus it just on Stranger Things. Um, and we're like, oh, well, you know, D&D feels like a character, you know, role-playing games feel like a character in the show. And we wanted some way to, like, kind of do homage to D&D. And uh, Doug was like, all right, we'll, we'll put Sacco <laughs> in this. <laughs> it's true. I, it's true. I think it's I probably sat there jaw agape for a minute or two. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but but not like you know, like like a like a simplified Thacko. And he was still still jaw agape, and so I, I walked it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, one of us, I mean, we were like, no, let's not do that. And then I don't remember which one of us, but somebody said, well, what if we just gave each stat its own polyhedral, and you use the full set. And we immediately latched onto that as like one of the cores of the game. Yeah. Ironically, D&D doesn't really even use the full set anymore. No. <laughs> right, right. Fifth edition has become very D20 led. But we wanted that, you know, that feeling of everybody having a full set and carrying them around. And you know, we wanted to aim this at people who hadn't played RPGs before and make it an, an introductory thing because we also wanted to address the fact that like, D&D as a game is the worst rule book written by a human ever. <laughs> oh, I, I don't agree with that. It, it doesn't teach you how to play the game, though. There's some truth in that. <laughs> like, I, was, I was in a panel up at Fan Expo in Toronto, and uh, it was right after uh, Kids on Bites had come out, and I was uh, the panel was called Breaking Into RPGs. And... and it was with like a bunch of industry veterans. And I was like, well, I'm not, I shouldn't be on this panel. I've done one RPG. Um, and it ended up being a panel of like 300 people that just wanted to learn how to play role-playing games and Holy didn't cow. know how to. And that really stuck with me. Mm. And there was, a, there was a lot of really good RPG people, but a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it was just asked them, the people in the crowd asking questions about like, 
how did you learn to play RPGs? And I don't have a group. What should I do? And things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's funny because you have the book. There, there's a weird, a, a very small little empty space between uh, like having the book and playing the game that nobody tells you how to do. Nav- navigating that part of like assembling your first group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I grew up in a very rural rural area and I tried to learn second edition from the rule book. And I just, without having somebody teach me, like it felt like a nearly impossible task. It was a very dry textbook. Yeah. And that's why I loved it so much. <laughs> You're an each English teacher, right? That's yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the real trick with Doug and I is that my biggest weakness is writing rule books and I hate writing rule books and Doug loves writing rule books. Oh man, love it. It works out really well. I am writing a rule book right now for my own game and I fall somewhere in the middle. There are days I love it and there are days that I'm just like, I know how this works. How am I supposed to tell someone else how it works? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like this. I love coming up with dumb ideas and like refining the systems and and you know that a lot of that comes from like my development side of things. But when Doug's like, "Yeah, I'll write this," I'm like, "Great, perfect." <laughs> well, one of the most unique parts about Kids on Bikes is that you build a town first. I mean, it's written sort of as as an optional rule, but let's be honest, it's one of the major features I think of Kids on Bikes. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't build the town, right? Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm curious, you know, I'm a, we, we've talked on this show, uh, cause I'm sure all of you have listened to every single episode that we've ever recorded. So I'm yes. sure, you know, uh, but I talk a lot about, I have this idea of that we're, there are, you know, collaborative immigrants and collaborative natives and I'm a collaborative immig- immigrant. So like I grew up where the storyteller was God and told the story and I was participant in it. And now I'm a collaborative immigrant where I've have having to start to learn to play in all these games that are collaborative storytelling. Uh, and, and I found for me, the kids on bikes one, uh, was the huge eye opener for me. It was the first time he didn't complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've yeah. done it with, uh, I, we played a Dres- Dresden files mm-hmm. game once, which is, uh, you know, kind of fate based and I've been through a fake creation. I've even been through a uh, masks game where they, cre- you know, uh, work some of that out. Uh, but I've never had it like speak to me the way the kids on bikes one did. And so I'm, I'm curious because, uh, you know, that's, uh, the collaborative thing is such a huge piece of it. Uh, how, how does, how, how'd you come, how'd you do that? (laughs) (laughs) There's an awful lot of words to just be like, what's up with that? (laughs) Well, uh, so Doug and I both love fiasco. Yes. Oh, fiasco is great. You know, when we're approaching it from like teaching people how to role play, like we wanted it to be more about the story than winning. And I mean, Fiasco, you have goals and you're trying to meet them, but really, like the best Fiasco games are the one where everybody's just trying to tell the best story possible. So we really tried to focus on that. Was there a lot of playtesting to get the the town building to actually work the way you wanted? Yes, I, I think the the town building and the character creation was the part that we tested. I mean, John, what would you say? 90% of our tests focused on that. 
Yeah, and it's it was such a weird thing to play test for me because I come from board games where like you can sit down and play the whole thing in an hour and a half and discuss it. Right. Whereas like this at Metatopia, we had to like break it up into separate pieces. But town building and character creation were the main focus. And like mechanics, we played like three or four times and tweaked, and you know they either worked or they didn't for the most part. Right. Was there um, a mechanic? When you created Kids on Bikes, you know, because it's a pretty simple mechanic game. It's one of the, again, one of the features of it, I think. Uh, but was there, you know, we, we talk a lot. Uh, well, well, Doug, you're an English teacher. You've heard the phrase, kill your darlings. Was there a, was there a, mecha- have, yeah. was there a mechanic that you all created that you just loved, but had to let go? Yes. Um, so when we were thinking about this in terms of a stranger things game, one of the things that we really latched onto was the notion of like the duality and the, the balance that is so prevalent in the first season. Right. And the idea that the upside down is just an inversion of, of the world. Um, and so we had initially, um, each of the stats is basically paired, right? You have brains, brawn, charm, grit, fight, and flight. And so initially the way we had it was that if you had a D20 in fight, you had a D4 in flight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which was cool yeah. and like definitely pushed you to be certain ways, but we found that people were limited by that. Um, and I think in like two play tests in a row, people were just like, yeah, I know it says that, but I'm just going to change it. Oh. <laughs> you got to listen um, to your house rulers. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's when we introduced tropes. Um, yeah. Because we realized this isn't the way it always is, right? That um, this kind of duality isn't always the case. And so we wanted to make it more flexible for people to play the kinds of games they wanted to play. Right. It was clever, but it wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because then you only have, what do you have? Uh, you assign that to three. Uh, six times five times three, or six times five times four. So 120 combinations. That many? Yeah. Yeah, because you can flip them, right? Right. I know, so I'm sorry, it's six times <laughs> four times two. <laughs> This is this is good podcast right uh, here. Right, <laughs> right. This week, to do math. This, this week on on a roll, math. Right, yeah, six times four <laughs> times two. That's right. Yeah, that's going to be so, the title of this math. six times. <laughs> well, if this is episode forty-eight, you are in great shape. <laughs> you saved the good stuff, the math, until now. Right. <laughs> um, and, and with uh, teams in space, we killed a really big darling that was very difficult for us but that'll be coming out as a free content friday correct doug yes um i yes uh sometime this year there was one part of the game that like we had we'd written it and we tested it once and like i I pushed so hard for it over and over again yeah and yeah and we tested it and it like basically worked but it needed like some tweaks and we were pretty sure we had it um and then it was like, you know, the deadline is here. We have to submit this. And we were like, we can't, um, you know, we, we just can't put it in. Uh, cause we haven't tested it. We don't know if it's gonna, 
break if we try it more. Um, and it's, it's a really cool thing and I'm really excited about it. And in the game that I, uh, the last game I played, uh, I tested it one last time with a friend of mine who likes to break things. Um, we all it, have was, it worked. And so it is good to go. And so that'll, um, that, that this mystery mechanic for teens in space will be released at some point, uh, later this year for free as free content. Yes. Very cool. So if you, I think I can say this much, if you've played teens in space, and thought about all the the kind of uh, source material that you have for it. <laughs> there's one really big part that's missing. That's yeah. Like, if you're like, man, there's one thing I really want to do in this game. Boy, I Maybe. wish I could. Um, <laughs> and it's actually uh, to give another hint. It's alluded to in some of the alien species. Yeah. Uh, because we talked about it, and two of the writers were like oh man, that's awesome. We're going to use it for our species. Can they have this be like a core part of them? And we're like, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh. And then they were like, so are our species getting taken out? And we're like, they are not. <laughs> um, so we offered like just a really quick explanation in there, but uh, now we have the full rules for it. Awesome. Well, what, so what led us to teens in space? How did, how did you go from kids on bikes to teens in space? Other than that, it's a clear natural eighties film progression. That was a big part of it. Um, teens in space, uh, very much was like the, Hey, you guys did kids on bikes. What would you like to do next? And I was like, teens in space. They're like, okay, cool. That's like, that's a really cool idea. Um, but, but what about kids on brooms? I was like, right, sure. Great. We can do that third. Um, <laughs> how about, how about teens in space though? They're like, okay, yeah, great. Um, we can just brainstorm some more ideas. I was like, yeah, we can definitely talk about what our third game is. Um, <laughs> just because I, I grew up watching star Wars. I, uh, to a lesser extent, grew up watching Star Trek, Guardians of the Galaxy when that came out. Like, I watched that five times in the theaters. Um, I, like, I just love the whole how weird things can get in space. Right. Um, and the, the sort of narrative possibilities that opens up. Like, you want to talk about world building, you can literally build your world, right? Right. Um, Every time it, I hear the title Teens in Space, all I can think of is the eighties Ninja Turtle cartoon where they had the teenagers from dimension X show up. Yes. <laughs> and that's like all I, all I could see. And I'm like, now that's what I have to play. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we sat down with Ivan and Scott from Renegade pretty early on when the game started to take off. Um, and, and brainstormed a, ideas so, i mean we have a pretty long list of things and they've been pretty good about letting us like pick and choose where we go with it yeah now kids on bikes was kickstarted but teens in space was not correct right is there was there a reason uh that you that you switched your format or did it just have to do with with connecting with a publisher yeah so that that came about well doug and i were originally just going to do it ourselves as like a super small indie thing Mm -hmm. and I bumped into Ivan at Gen Con, and we were just talking about projects. That's Ivan's superpowers, just bumping into people. people. <laughs> um, uh, and I showed him the cover because we had got all the artwork done by that point and had the book laid out, and I think we are going to kickstart it like three weeks after Gen Con. Yeah. 
um, so that went over Halloween and you, and I showed him that stuff and he's like, uh, don't show this to anybody else this weekend and let's talk about it Monday. <laughs> and okay. Doug and I had no interest in publishing ourselves. We just wanted the project made. Yep. So like we were just going to do it. And as soon as that offer came in, we we're like, yeah, that sounds great. Not doing all that work. Right. I mean, but there's, there is something cool though about <laughs> doing a Kickstarter f- for kids on bikes and, and hoping you get five grand and then ending up almost with a hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, pretty it cool blew up to a level that we weren't expecting. I would also yeah, think that's scary. I was actually, uh, taking a field trip into New York city that day and it launched when we like right before we went into the holland tunnel (laughs) (laughs) and you know like it was rush hour and like we were in there for a little while we came out and somebody was like hey you should check on your thing i'm like i mean it's gone up by like like all of my friends have backed it like it's gone up by like 100 100 200 bucks whatever right um and i want to say it was at like $2,000 $2,000 by the time I got out of the oh tunnel. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was really cool to, very surprising. Well, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about what you've got coming up. Uh, Cause we've also got Spencer Stark here who is, is part of, of the creative team that did kids on brooms, which is the next the next one to come the out. Next level. Do you do you have a game for what you, a name for for this series of games? Yeah, we're calling it uh, "Powered by Kids on Bikes." Okay. Yeah. We tried so many names, it's, and that was the best we came up with. It's blanks and blanks. <laughs> yeah, because they've also announced uh, the Junior Braves of the, of the Apocalypse uh, retheme that we're doing too. <laughs> I, I pushed real hard for pedal powered. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Power is so good. Thank you. Power is real good, but it just didn't sing. It didn't didn't click in, yeah. Yeah. I think it clicks. But then Powered by the Apocalypse went away and they renamed it. And we're like, well, if they're renaming it. (laughs) Well, then we're good. It doesn't seem like we just copied them anymore. Right. Uh, (laughs) So how did Kids on Brooms come about? I'll talk about my side, um, at least, and then I can kind of allude to what happened on their side as much as I know, and then we can we can smash smash it together like a good old role-playing game. Spencer? Um, Spencer? So, hey, Spencer? Yeah. Real quick, before yeah. you start, let me just say that, that uh, you are a board game designer as well. You did Icarus, which is, which is a pretty, pretty decently known game. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a um, role playing game. Very, it draws a lot of elements from from board games, but um, but is a is a role playing game, is a storytelling game, um, and that was sort of my first uh, published thing that that came out of Hunters and and Renegade, um, and so so yeah, so that that sort of started at Gen Con, God, years ago, uh, when I again stumbled into Ivan in an airport. Um, <laughs> And him and I were just talking about games and what we liked. And, um, and we were talking about how much we love dread and, and 10 candles. Um, and there was this idea of like, how do we create games that really give you a visceral experience? How do you make something that makes somebody feel different than they do when they play other games? And, uh, that's something that has always been really interesting to me and something that from his time doing 
Stargazer and Sundry and the other things he's done on Geek and Sundry is uh, something that is, is interesting to him as well. If you watch those things that he the, uh, those shows that he produced and, and GM'd for, you'll see that he brings in a lot of these like LARPish elements. So um, him and I were just kind of batting things around in the airport and uh, on the plane home, uh, I was stacking dice on the tray table um, and was like, this is a cool mechanic of like, I was afraid they were going to fall. And there was this tension that was created. Uh, and I was like, man, there's got to be something that this can be used for. And so I started writing and uh, well, when I came off the plane, I had a rough draft of it. And I was like, Ivan, I got a thing. We're going to talk later. I went home and, <laughs> you know, put it together. And then a couple of days later, I had a game and we played it and it, and it had that, that thing that you're looking for. Um, and I would made a lot of stuff before that, that was, you know, board game and sort of RPG, uh, uh, but very, it didn't, when you have something, it, it feels different. And right. I don't know how to explain it, but there's like a magic in it. And I was like, this has that magic that I've been looking for. And, and I took it to him and he was like, we're going to publish this. We're going to figure out, a, we're like, we're, let's find a time. Let's, let's do it. And, um, and then Icarus launched and that was crazy. Uh, you know, for the first game I'd, I'd ever had published, like for it to be, um, for it to go out to a company like Renegade and Hunters was something that was huge for me because I was a big fan of kids on bikes um, and a big fan of all the stuff that Renegade had done. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's kind of how that came about. So you were a big fan of kids on bikes. Is that kind of where you, how you ended up working towards kids on brooms? Yeah, absolutely. So uh was a big fan of bikes, uh, had run it a whole bunch when it came out, um, even from like the the quick start guide before they even released it. I was like, you know, when it first <laughs> launched on Kickstarter, it was something that I, I immediately gravitated towards and ran a, you know, a number of campaigns with friends. And, um, and then later, later down the line, I, I, I was at a convention called Big Bad Con, which is my favorite convention on the circuit. And if you have the chance to go to it, I highly recommend it. It's not happening this year because of the current climate, but, uh, but it's every October and it is a story games convention. So it is like, the kinds of games that I like to make and like to play. Um, uh, I'm, I'm very much when you're talking about the collaborative native and the collaborative immigrant, I'm very much in the collaborative native, uh, group. And so that was where I sort of found my legs and found my love of games. Um, and so that convention I put together very quickly for it at kids on brooms hat. And was just like, okay, I'm going to take kids on bikes and just make new playbooks and make some new rules to do some magic stuff and like just throw some things together and see if I can get a game out of it. And we ended up playing a game there that was, uh, to this day, one of my top five role-playing experiences ever, just because the system was so light and we were playing in a fantasy wizard world that I always wished that I had been able to play in um, and live in. And we had such a good time and I was like, all right, well, I don't know how in the world I I'm ever going to be able to make the, you know, I could, I could release this, I guess, as a, as a, an unofficial hack or whatever. Um, and, and then I ended up chatting with Ivan and he was like, oh yeah, we're doing, you know, kids on, we're releasing, uh, 
uh, Teens in Space as the next kind of piece of Kids on Bikes. And I didn't even put together that he had been the one to pick up Kids on Bikes. I knew it was rene- uh, distributed through Renegade and Hunters, but I didn't, like my brain didn't until that moment put together like, oh, this is the person who could make that thing happen. And so I was <laughs> like, like, I got a pitch wait, for you. I need and to talk to you. Like, I need to Harry Potter this bitch up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how that happened. And and I was like, I have, I have uh, like, uh, I have to talk to you about this because if, if there's any way we can make it happen, I want to make it happen. And he was like, oh, dude, they're already working on it. And I was like, of course they are. Of course they're already working on <laughs> no. it. But he's like, let me put you in touch. Still, uh, you guys should meet. And so I scrambled and put together a, a pitch package of like, this is what I'm thinking for the game. This is what my, you know, uh, what my vision for it is and kind of the places that I feel like I modified the system that made it work for this genre. And here's the places that are, that I feel like we could explore more uh, that I don't have fully mechanized out, but I think are interesting to me. Um, and I laid out sort of my design goals with it. And just like, I, I work in, in, the TV and film world in LA. So it's like, that's my go-to is like, make a pitch deck, like fill it with great photos, put your, put your, you know, your thoughts and ideas into a thing that's easily accessible for them and then hope for the best. Um, and then, then they got it. And next thing I know I'm on the team making the game. So that was a really interesting and, and, uh, exciting sort of time right as Icarus was hitting to have, you know, to be jumping onto a project like this. I, I love that you almost just fanboyed your way onto the, the project. Yeah. That's so like uh, one of the cool things about this time period in role-playing games right now is that because of social media combined with the things like drive through and, and the popularity of, of like Metatopia type cons and things like that is that, uh, there is a real connection with creators right now. They're very accessible and they didn't used to be. Uh, and so it's neat that these kinds of stories now can happen. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those, it was one of those moments for me where I didn't, Ivan and I sort of were in similar circles. Uh, we had similar friends cause I was working at a, uh, a company that um, had people that had left it that had gone to geek and Sundry. So we sort of knew people but they're uh, mutual friends but we didn't know each other and so i just walked up to him in the airport and started talking to him and it was like that moment of just like seeing somebody that i know who you are i don't know you and you don't know me but just like taking that leap to walk forward and be like hi i'm spencer we know the same people and i uh love what you do and then just from there evolving this relationship was um was definitely sort of a leap of faith uh that i'm glad that i took well, we're glad too, because I'm Thanks. super excited about kids on brooms. Spencer, yeah, I, yeah. Spencer is powered by pedals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I was trying to open up the presentation Spencer sent us to, because uh, we were talking a couple days ago about like trying to remember how much we kept from yeah that original start, um, but my computer is being difficult about. I'll see if I can find it. We, we definitely changed the whole magic system. That was something that yes. I knew was going to have to be, I, the magic system I had was very simple and it like just sort of got the job done, but didn't do, didn't evolve much. And I knew that was an area that, that we could further explore. And my, the thing with the magic system is I never wanted it to feel like it bogged down the game. The most fun I had in the game was when we were doing magic 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to keep that from being the fun part. Do you know what I mean? So that was like the initially, initially the experience was like, okay, I want to make it as simple as it could possibly be. And, and I think that we achieved in this new, uh, uh, in this, in this version that is, that is coming out, we achieved sort of the, a nice balance of it being quick and easy to do mechanically, but also it having a little bit of um, teeth on it enough that you're able to, you know, you're able to, to make, make the call, uh, on how difficult something should be in a much quicker way. So Mm -hmm. magic is tricky. I mean, it it is the coolest part about dungeons and dragons. And it is also the thing that you spend the most time flipping book pages (sighs) for in the middle of combats, you know, and I didn't want that. You know, and then and luckily none of us wanted that. Yeah. All of us were on the same page of like, this needs no, to no, be probably fascinating. Yeah, I was going to say, not even me this time. Uh, <laughs> so Doug and John, when when you got this, uh, this pitch idea from Spencer for a project that you were basically kind of already working on already, <laughs> uh, what, what did you think? So this is the way I remember it. Um, <laughs> I remember reading through it and like, page by page being like, yep, we were going to do that. Oh, that's a really good idea. Um, yep. That's a great idea. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to do that. That works. Um, oh, mm, I like our way better. Uh, and then like, oh, we never even thought of that. Yes. That's amazing. I remember reading it and thinking, I really felt like we sat down and brainstormed some stuff and Spencer was like, okay, well I have an idea for how to make this work. Um, but let me just write it out. Like, I can't quite conceptualize it verbally right now. Let me just write it out and send it to you. Um, it, like, it felt like we were already at that stage, even though we'd never talked about it. And that was what was really neat is when we sat down to, to actually start working on the game, we were already pretty much on the same page. Like we were like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's the game is, you know, this is what we have so far. What you sent us is very close to what we've already done. Like, let's just take pieces and run. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of divided off pieces into like each of us developing the area that we were most interested in at the time. And, and it just clicked somehow magically one might say. <laughs> yeah. Had the three of you, I mean, well, obviously Doug and John, the two of you knew each other, but had, had the rest, have you ever met Spencer before that? Mm-mm. No. Nope. Did you all fly out to a convention or zoom or what did you <laughs> what did take- we do? We had a, we had, we'd strike we, maybe. Yeah, I think we did a Skype meeting. I, I just after you guys had looked at the. I imagine you guys had looked at the at the pitch. I imagine yeah. how like I mean, bringing on a collaborator is a it, it's a it can be a major designed decision, you know, and it mm-hmm. can make or break your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of risk involved, and so that's why because not only does the work have to click, but the three of you have to click as well. Yeah, and and luckily we did. I mean, it was it was concerned because Kids on Bikes was. You know, definitely our our baby, and we worried about you know giving somebody else a little bit of control over it. But it was it was nice. So I mean, it it worked so well, and you know Spencer just kind of fell into our workflow and just took things over. So I got it open. I think we used his world building as you had it in the presentation, Spencer. Almost exactly. Almost verbatim. Yeah, it was yeah. close. It was close. Yeah. We got rid of the thing about like whether or not society is masked. We just made that right. Part of, um, but our headmaster is best known for dot dot dot. Um, and my favorite question: We play a sport that's a combination of blank and blank. 
Oh my gosh! <laughs> we we did change it into a pastime and not necessarily a sport, right? That's true. That's we did true. do that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Oh, I want to play this so bad, like right now. <laughs> oh, so, so that's the thing that when we saw it, we were like, "Oh man, we never even thought of that." Uh, familiars, right? Yeah. Spencer had a section in there about familiars, and we we're like, oh, "Of course, yes." <laughs> yeah, you gotta have your familiars. I, I wanted my I wanted my Hedwig, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the, we're we're doing a. Oh, let's play for the free content Friday. And uh, the sport in that is called Jacruz. Um, and the kids all call it stab hockey. And one of the players wrote up elaborate <laughs> rules for it because they they hated Quidditch so much. They're like, I'm not going to let garbage rules stand in this game. But like, <laughs> here's the established rules for Jacruz and how it's played. You don't get 10 billion points for catching something that's totally unrelated to the game. Right? Right. (laughs) Quidditch is the weirdest, stupidest thing in Harry Potter. Like, it really, I love, I like Harry Potter a great deal. But, like, why are you playing the rest of the game? Just have two people go after the, the snitch, and whoever gets it, that's the winner. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've run this game a, a number of times, and the people that I've run it with, aren't really like most of the people I've run it with aren't necessarily sports people, right? Like not really like hardcore sports people. There has been more sports discussion in a kids (laughs) on broom session than I've had in my entire lifetime. Because when you start to develop your own version of it, it becomes something that for for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but when we start talking about like how the game is played, I, I always, every single time I play, I start the very beginning of the session is them playing a a game of that of that pastime or whatever mm-hmm. it is uh, that's how i start every single session every single campaign i should say that i play the first session very beginning is doing that sport and i don't know what it is but people that are not sports people just like in my experience they just dive into it and love it and i think it's because we get to be ridiculous and fun with it as opposed to being like boring and you know i don't know what it i don't know what it is but anyway it was just a fascinating sort of observation that that was a piece that i didn't expect people especially people that were not sports people to latch onto but it's been so much fun and people will make up like incredibly elaborate rules i had the same thing somebody for one of the campaigns just wrote out an entire google doc of what the what the rules for the game were and how (laughs) how the pitch was set up and like all this stuff it was wild i think there is Ours has like names for all the different positions and yep, stuff. Exactly. Yep. I think there's yeah, some. We spent uh, our last recording, I think, was one thing happened, but I think like 45 minutes of it or was this game. And my <laughs> character was not involved in the game at all. And it was like fascinating to listen to as a player. Wow. I, I wonder if maybe some of it is that you're you're getting to experience and learn the dice. But, but you're actually doing it by playing a thing that you yourself made up, you know? And mm-hmm. so you're kind of, you're hitting the mechanical part, you're hitting the creative part, uh, and then you're hitting, you know, the goofy fun. You know, we, we talk a lot. Uh, one of our things on this podcast is we kind of feel like the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. And yep. so, like, 100%. You know, if, if you come out right at the gate, you know, having fun, like, you, you've got them. I also think yeah. for some reason, players like to have their characters playing a game like like it's meta i'm i'm in a game playing a game (laughs) (laughs) you know and it doesn't you know because i i I run a a mush which is just a text-based role-playing game and 
they will spend hours playing a board game in character in character and i'm just like what are you okay if you guys are having fun okay <laughs> or if you've ever a vampire the masquerade larp like there's always a character there playing chess or something yeah you know? <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about how the the magic system came about you know spencer you said that you had come up with some some sort of house ruling things but but you knew that it wasn't gonna work um you know powered there's only one powered character in kids on bikes. So how do you, you know, how did the conversation happen where you decided, all right, now we have a whole room oh, full of powered oh, characters. Oh, is there only one muggle? Like, does everyone <laughs> share the muggle? You co-control uh, the muggle. Yeah. But you do, you do get to name what non-powered characters are called in the game. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, our game is set in like what the sixties, Doug? 70s? No, early fifties. Cause rock and roll doesn't exist yet. That's right. Yeah, the early '50s, and they they call the muggle squares in it in ours. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, as far as our magic system was concerned, I mean, I I started out with something that was pretty simplistic, and we knew that it would need to be evolved. You know, we'd need to evolve out of that, and um, and and so we just started throwing out ideas of like what what can we do that still fits the tone. I think I probably um, talked for about an hour about everything I hate about magic system. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And said, let's not do any of those things. because they're bullshit. <laughs> Right. So we crossed those off the list and then, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, th and then we started playing with like schools of magic. Cause that felt like a good place to start. Yep. Um, and uh, we went really far in one direction and then sort of tapered it back a little bit after some play testing and finally found sort of this middle ground of like, you still are using your stats to do magic. Um, but there are, there's different difficulties depending on what you're trying to do and how elaborate the thing you're trying to do is. And there's a guide for the GMs to be able to make those, uh, to ask questions and make decisions based on those parameters. So um, that's sort of what we settled on and, it, and it's quick and it's, uh, it's pretty thorough, but it also does enough to say like, okay, you picking up a, a chair with your wand is very different from you stopping a boulder from landing on you. You choose the stat that you're using to cast the magic based on what makes the most sense, right? So if I'm stopping a boulder from landing on me, that might be brawn. I'm exerting my physical force in magical form, or it might be... Uh, brains that I'm using my understanding of physics to bend the rules of physics a little bit to make the boulder move out of the way. It could be flight because you're trying to get out of the way quick, quickly enough to be able to, you know what I mean? Like, so you can sort of narratively justify and then, right. and then, yeah. One of the things in kids on bikes and teens in space is like the thing you're doing, you decide how you're approaching it. Um, like one of the images in, uh, one of my favorite images in Kids on Brooms is a character down on their hands and knees, like very carefully picking a lock while, the, while a character behind them has summoned this glowing hammer and is about to just smash the lock. <laughs> so you mentioned art. I need to ask real quickly, is the art for, because I haven't seen anything for Kids on Brooms yet, is the art just as cool as the art for from Kids on Bikes? Oh, yeah. I think it's cooler. I think oh. it is, too. Is it the same artist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we love Heather to death, uh -huh. and um, in my opinion, she's as much an important part of Kids on Bites in the whole everything as we are. Absolutely. Yes. 
there is yeah. a, there is definitely a tone that her her artwork captures that really speaks to the feel of the game. Um, like you can, but I would even say so. I I am someone who backed the Kids on Bikes Kickstarter. Um, and I'll be honest, the thing that sold me on it was when you went to that Kickstarter page and her image was the, the freeze frame of the, of the video at the top. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. need to watch. I mean, no offense, Doug, John, you're beautiful people, but I didn't need <laughs> to see you. Like all I needed to do was see that artwork. And I thought this is a game that I have to have. Yes. Mm-hmm. He actually sent I, me the link and was just like, look <laughs> at this art. And I was like, back it. When I, heard that I was going to be able to pitch the game to them. I, I reached out to Heather to see if she could do a piece <laughs> so yeah. that I could sell the view, the, the vision that I had on it. Didn't end up working out. I got, you know, I just kind of pulled stuff from all over, but like that was how much it like that style of art resonated with me and how much I felt like it was ingrained in the kids on bikes, you know, um, feeling the aesthetic right uh and so so yeah so that was my attempt to be like okay i I need to show that i understand the way this works and (laughs) didn't work out but was but was an interesting kind of like thing you're talking about how the art just feels so uh like it's such a piece of the game and and uh it's certainly the case with this as well how did you find heather (laughs) when we were getting started we put out the call for like asked our friends like hey are you an artist like let's see some of your work or if you know somebody, who would you recommend? And our friend Nicole Amato um, of uh, Cardboard, Cardboard Fortress, Fortress right, um, said, this is the person for you. Um, <laughs> and we looked at her her page and we were like, yeah, this is like super close to exactly what we want. Um, and then she sent us, I, I think the first one was the cover image, right, John? Yeah, yeah, I think the first thing that we had her stench oh was the cover. And we were like, this is it, this is it. Um, this is even more right than we thought before. Like, yeah, we, we thought we knew exactly what we wanted, and then we saw what she gave us, and we were like, we were slightly wrong. This is exactly what we wanted. This is so much better. <laughs> yeah, and Doug and I, we, we usually have a, like, hour to two hours on call on every project where we sit down and do the art descriptions together. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this one, we Doug let me get a little bit wilder on some of them. And I kept pushing the, the envelope of like weird stuff that I wanted to do. And we were, I think it was on a Facebook post or something where we were talking about it. And somebody mentioned um, a witch riding a, uh, a vacuum cleaner. And Heather was like, oh, yeah, I was totally going to slip that in, but I thought you guys wouldn't be happy if I did. <laughs> and we're like, no, like, you do whatever you want. And like, it's very we'll rare we're ever you. going to say no to any idea. That you <laughs> right. You've, I think that a lot of creators are, are too hesitant to trust their artists. Yeah, we have very loose art descriptions, everything, and then kind of let her interpret it. And we just, you know, we, we had a discussion early on, like, we're not going to tell you like what any of the characters look like. Just make sure it's a diverse cast. And that's really all that's important to us. Mm -hmm. And the rest is up to you. That's great. Well, we're just about out of time. Um, Why don't you guys tell us where, where are folks going to be able to get kids on brooms? I know it's on pre-order right now, right? Yes. People will be able to find it on renegade games, studios.com. You can pre-order it there. 
or at your friendly local game store. It'll be available through anybody that distributes Renegade Games. That's great. Uh, so before we go, we like to ask all of our guests a couple of quick questions. So, Doug, what was the very first role-playing game you ever played? Uh, second edition Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> what, what's your, what would you say is your favorite of all time? So yeah, uh, totally discounting anything that I've like worked on at all. Um, uh, I love fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I love Fiasco and Icarus. Those are my top three, and not, not just because Spencer is here. Did you like one one hundred percent? Icarus is one of my three favorite role playing games. Did Did you play Icarus Icarus before you worked with Spencer? No, no. Uh, I played for the first time at. Gen, Gen Con, I think. Gen Con last year, yeah. I think we were working together on this before Icarus came out, right? Like it, it was yeah. in the process, but mm -hmm. okay. what yeah. about? Yeah. It was right as Icarus was like, right as the workload for Icarus was hitting, is when I started doing development for this, and uh, and that was a a wild ride. It was really great. <laughs> My whole world was role playing games. It was wonderful. <laughs> well, Spencer, what what is your what was your first? role-playing game yeah so um i i i came late to the game which is weird but i uh, uh is, do we have two minutes can i tell a small story <laughs> sure okay i'll, I'll just so, edit it in post oh, no i'm it. kidding <laughs> <laughs> so i uh have been playing board games for you know i played uh board games growing up um uh but i was producing a show for the company that I worked for. And there were these uh, uh, people that we had on the show and they were talking about that they that their favorite thing to do was play Dungeons and Dragons. And I'd never played before. Um, and I, I really had only a, a passing um, uh, knowledge of it, weirdly enough. And they start talking about what they what the game is like in the show that we're doing, like the part of like the interview that they're doing is them talking about why they like it so much and what, you know, what it is. And I was like, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> what, what have I been missing out on? And so they, uh, the show took place. It was sort of like a cash cab kind of show, but it was in an elevator. Very strange. Anyway, <laughs> they come out of the elevator and I immediately run uh, to them and I'm like, Dungeons and Dragons, can we play? Is there any way that I can play? And they're like, yeah, of course. Uh, and so, so yeah, we became friends and that was my first fifth edition was my like fifth edition a couple of years ago was my oh, wow. first wow. dive into it. And, um, and I played it and was like, this is really cool, but I feel like there are other ways to do this as well. And so, so then I got into dungeon world and all the power of the apocalypse games and fiasco and you know the whole indie scene opened up and yeah and that's sort of where that where that came from but yeah really strange and and fairly new what game is your favorite again really hard asking my favorite children um <laughs> I, but we all have three, one top three so the games that i've played the most that i enjoy the most uh are um kids on bikes and again, not just saying that because they're here literally was my favorite game. <laughs> That's why I hacked it and how all this started. Uh, uh, it is absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, For the Queen by Alex Roberts and Masks, A New Generation. Masks is so much fun. It's so good. It does, 
it, it, the reason why I say masks too, because there's so many good power by the apocalypse games. What, what masks does differently is that it, every single piece of the mechanics captures the genre yes. in a way that I haven't experienced with any other game that I've played to that extent, right? Like every game, the, the mechanics do a good job for every published game does a pretty good job of capturing the genre. That game captures the genre yeah. uh, out and out. So that's why. What, what about you, John? What was your fate? What was your first, uh, your first role-playing game? Uh, my first was Dungeons Dragons second edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it had just come out maybe. When did it come out? A long know. time ago. I'm old. <laughs> I, I'll, oh, I'll look it up while you're talking about your other <laughs> favorite games. But I forgot one of my favorite games, which I know you're going to mention. So, um, and you you asked favorite specifically, and it changes day by day for me. Um, but I would probably have to say the Quiet Year, just because I really like the the limited discuss the, the limited communication and that the fact that you're not allowed to talk unless you take an action to have a discussion with the other players i think that's what? such a cool thing you, it, make, it makes every word that you say more impactful tell me about this game what is it called again oh you oh you never heard of the quiet no. year it's oh, the quiet year so oh, yeah good. this is one of my other ones like this is my top four. Oh god <laughs> So the Quiet Year is a map building story game um, where you shuffle up by suit a deck of cards and every card has a story prompt attached to it or you can buy a deck of cards with all the story prompts attached. And it's usually like this happens or this happens. So on your turn, you draw the top uh, card of the deck and you're going to read one of the two things out loud and then answer it. Um, and you start off by drawing a map, and the game is about the quiet year after some big thing happened to society, whether it was a war within your village or something, and you have a quiet year before the... Uh, uh, frost Shepherds. The Frost Shepherds. Yeah, before the Frost Shepherds come, and they're going to come in winter. Um, <laughs> And you're telling the story about that year and you're dealing with like uh, shortages and surpluses and drawing things on the map and starting projects that are tracked by dice. And uh, so there, there's, there's two things. All about. One is limited communication. So that, that's fantastic. And my other favorite thing about it is that you start out with a bunch of counters on the table and they are called, um, Contempt tokens? Contempt tokens. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And they have no mechanical use in the game at all. Those are my favorite it's, things. Except <laughs> that when somebody does something that displeases you, you can take one or more contempt token. <laughs> I, I took a lot of contempt tokens in the game when John was like, I'm just done talking about stuff. And I was like, and contempt. <laughs> and, and if somebody does something that pleases you you can put contempt back into the pile okay so they're tarot cards and the cards are things like 
um, uh, the community works constantly and as a result, a project finishes early or a group goes out to explore the map more thoroughly and find something that had been previously overlooked. So you're able to like sort of build the map around these card prompts that come out. And then also, yeah, it comes with the, this bag of the contempt tokens are like these little skulls and they're <laughs> perfect for what, anyway, it's a, it's, it's brilliant. And it has been a huge inspiration, I think on, on, uh, definitely on me. It sounds like on most of us. Yeah. Wow. And how we approach game design. So well, yeah. we'll check that out. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast we did, and I offered to run it. And the same will go here. <laughs> Y'all want to play it? I'm more than happy to run Absolutely. it. Absolutely. What? It plays really well online. The world famous designer of what? Kids on Bikes wants to run a game for us, <laughs> but but not Kids on Bikes. <laughs> Yay! It's tough. Like, I, I always have a hard time. Like when Dead of Winter came out, and it started like climb up the rankings on BGG when it was getting ready to pass Cosmic Encounter, which is a perfect 10 in my opinion. I love Cosmic I like, Encounter. I don't like my game more than Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this. I don't like it. All right. Well, so is there anything coming up that y'all would, that any of you would like to to pitch before we, we let you go? Uh, I mean, Junior Braves and Kids on Bites will both be out this year. Uh, I don't think we're going to do strange, strange Adventures this year. Do we, Doug? I don't think so. So we're in the process of working on uh, our first Strange Adventures type thing for Teens in Space. Um, I've been editing the content over the past couple of weeks, and it's it's amazing. Um, we're going in a sort of different direction with it. It's going to be really cool. Um, is, but that's one of those, like, that's as much as I can say about it until it, it's announced. Oh, and what is Junior Braves? Um, so it's based on a comic book called uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse and um, by Oni Press. And Oni and Renegade have a pretty good relationship. And I know uh, Charlie and a bunch of other people at Oni Comics. And uh, they're like, hey, we want to do an RPG. And we're like, well, we have an RPG about kids. Showed it to Doug. And mm-hmm. um, it's super fun. Yeah, it's, it's a great really comic cool. book. Definitely worth reading. Is it uh, is is that game is Junior Braves going to be uh, powered by Kids on Bikes? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's a pretty direct uh, translation from Kids on Bikes. They do two things in there that are really really cool. That um, one of them is uh, a terminology thing that we stole for well stole we asked for permission and they <laughs> gave us permission to use um, for Kids on Brooms. And if we ever do a second edition of Kids on Bikes, there's a uh, another layer of town building that they do in there that we're definitely going to adapt for mm. uh, standard kids on bikes. That's great. Later on this month, I have a game coming out from Chronicle books, a card game called Aunt Agatha's attic. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. The art is so good. Um, the production quality on it is just like, yeah, so great. Um, and the gameplay is pretty good too. If I do say so myself, <laughs> So the so Aunt Agatha's Attic is from Chronicle Books. Uh, its publication date is uh, May twelfth, so a little over a week from when we're recording. If you go to chroniclebooks.com uh, from their store, you can pre-order it. Uh, it says that currently says age range is zero to three years. That's quite inaccurate. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna let. Uh, them know about that but oh, uh, you can't play it over three <laughs> yeah yeah uh so but it's a real-time 
um, trading and negotiation game where you are a bunch of feuding cousins who are <gasps> trying to get the best stuff from your Aunt Agatha's attic. But as you're about to leave with your hall, she tells you, like, I'm tired of you not working together. If you want to leave with anything, you have to learn how to work together. And so you're trying to build sets of cards. Um, and every time you make a trade with another player, you draw a card from your deck. So each trade you make uh, enhances the number of items you're going to get. But the the twist is that you only have two minutes to do all of this and it's all done in real time. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. The art looks beautiful too. I'm looking at it, it now. It's yeah, this is yeah. Seeing it up close is even like it's, it's gorgeous. Um, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. What about you, Spencer? You said you had something else too that you wanted to let everybody yeah. know about. So um, in the next month or so, uh, we're dropping a Kickstarter for a game that I've been working on with Hunters and Renegade. Um, that is, uh, it's a game that takes place entirely via text message. Um, it's about a young, uh, like a teenage girl who goes missing in a small town and uh, our attempt to uh, uncover uh, the mystery behind what happened to her sort of uh life is strange gone home oxen free kind of vibe um, but that's gonna be hitting in the if, if, coming up very very soon um so keep your eyes out for that and you and you play this with like actually texting the players yes. next to you that's interesting I had a to play it a couple weeks ago it is amazing huh. it's yeah it's all done via text message and um and yeah, you you play out. It takes place over ninety minutes, and uh, by the end of that ninety minutes, you've told this whole story. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to putting that into the world soon. That sounds exciting. That's really great. Yeah, yeah it is. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. We we really appreciate it. Uh, Doug, John, Spencer, I hope you all have uh, great great luck with uh, with the games you've got coming out, and I hope that Kids on Brooms does amazing. Um, it's really crazy to me that there has not really been a harry potter role-playing game uh yep. and, and so you know like how did that happen right but it's really <laughs> it's really i can't think of a better uh a better game system to yeah for this for yeah to to do it so thank you all so well, much you. for for creating this wonderful stuff yeah well thanks for having Appreciate us on it. thank you for creating stuff <laughs> don't don't say that you don't know about you don't <laughs> wait until you've played it <laughs> I could be making garbage, guys. Maybe he was talking to me. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Keep keep painting horses, Carrie. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to game wrap. All right. Well, that was pretty awesome. Yes, it was. They are some really nice fellas. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they've made some really cool games. Yes. I can't wait to get kids on. It's going to be great. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, Ashley, uh, Ashley Rayburn has the uh, did some. I don't know how if he ran something or something, but he, he worked with their playtesting a little bit. Oh, fun. Um, and so, yeah. So they're like, they had a playtest packet that you could download and run and so give feedback on. So he could be running that for us. Well, he's running our kids on bikes game. He Let's... could run both. 
<laughs> That's true. All right. Well, for those of you listening at home, uh, you can find us at honorrollpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook at honorroll po- at facebook.com slash honorrollpodcast. We're on Twitter at honorrollpodcast. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast and, uh, and get some free stuff by backing us for a little bit to help us uh, pay for our fees to, to have the show. Yes. And uh, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and anywhere else that you listen to your garbage. <gasps> no. I'm just saying. Uh, let's go ahead and give experience points. Carrie, mm-hmm. you get one experience point Expected. for playing. Expected. Let's roll to see what you get on the magic Come items. Come on, kids on brooms. Oh, let's see. Check the chart here. And oh, look at this. It's a box of styrofoam peanuts plus one against static electricity. Well, join us next week when, when we play Idiots on Podcasts. No. Uh, until next time. That's every week. Uh, remember, I am Ryan the curmudgeon, and this is Carrie the legend. Uh, and the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun. So much the fun. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a road again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. The only way Wah, 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 wah,